Thank you. Hi, this is Michael O. I'm a recovering marijuana addict. Um, you know, I guess at these meetings I'm supposed to tell you what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. I say I'm a recovering marijuana addict because um, I found out that marijuana was but a symptom of my bigger problem, which was me. And uh, you know what? When I allowed too much of me to get in my life, I found my character defects came out, and I caused all kinds of problems. And I just wanted to get high to get away from my problems. And to the point that getting high was my problem, you know. Uh, let me tell you about a bit what it was like. You know, I started smoking pot when I was 13 years old. Um, it was fun. I can't lie. I got high. I rolled down the hill. I laughed. And I chased that feeling for 30 years. I wanted to get high because I, I, I just didn't want to suffer through the misery of life. And, you know, although I was, I wouldn't say, I came from a loving family, it was a bit dysfunctional. And, uh, you know, I just didn't feel normal, I didn't feel comfortable in getting high. Wow, that was amazing. The problem is, is I chased that feeling, and I put it as a priority in my life. And I can honestly tell you, I don't think I turned down a joint over the next 30 years. Um, you know, any time I had a chance to get high, whether it made sense or not, I got high. You know, I'll give you an example. Um, this is when I was still in my teenage years. Uh, I went out with my girlfriend. She had a curfew of, of uh, 10.30. But I made sure I got her back at 10 o'clock so that I could go meet up with my buddies and get high because that was my priority. You know, as much as I said I love this person, marijuana really was, was what I loved the most and what I wanted to do all the time. You know, and, and that behavior continued on. Um, I remember smoking a joint on the way to a job interview and thinking, oh, this will help. This will make me feel great. Uh, yeah, no, maybe not. You know, I didn't get the job either, so that doesn't surprise me. You know, um, I gave up a lot of opportunities in my life because I wanted to get high. You know, um, there were jobs that I took. Uh, and I thought they were great jobs, maybe not the best paying jobs with the best career opportunities, but I could smoke joints at the office. My boss was a stoner, and that was cool, and I wanted this job, you know. And uh, one of the jobs I had was, was working doing rock videos, and it was great because there was a drug dealer on set all the time, and we could get high. And, you know, that's what I loved, and it became part of my identity. You know, um, until the point where, you know, I just start problems started coming up in my life. And, you know, eventually I, I found a girl and I, I tried to settle down. But um, I don't think I was ever emotionally equipped to deal with relationships. I was afraid of what you thought of me. Um, so I tried to be exactly what I thought you wanted me to be. And that's no way to live, and, and it's hard wearing that many hats. Uh, my 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 ex-wife called me the chameleon because that's who I was. I would be exactly whoever I thought you wanted me to be. And, uh, you know, getting high was just a good way to put myself into character. You know, that marriage ended as a result of uh, my inability to communicate, my inability to uh, to deal with, with, with situations, to be able to honestly express things to my partner, um, and if I couldn't honestly express things, I would 
I would omit saying them. You know, I wouldn't necessarily lie by, by I'd say a direct lie, but I'd lie by omission by not saying what I felt. And as a result, that relationship ended, and you know, uh, it it got to that point where now I was living on my own, and I could had a crappy little apartment, and uh, you know what, I could just do whatever I want. I could stay up and chase the dawn. I used to go to the bars, and you know, I used to drink a lot, but you know what, I would always pop out in between beers and smoke a joint, you know, uh, and it allowed me to to chase that and and the thing about marijuana is it's not debilitating like alcohol or or some of the harder drugs you know marijuana is the softer gentler way and i can do a lot of things while i'm high um that i couldn't do if i was drunk or stoned on other drugs um but what it did do is it emotionally uh it emotionally kept me from uh from relating to my true emotions it uh, I can't tell you how many times I walked into a room and I'd forget why I walked into the room. And eventually, you know, I heard it said once that being a marijuana addict is like being kicked to death by a bunny. It's a slow cumulative effect. And uh, eventually that kind of just, that builds up, you know. And uh, I was unable to hold relationships, unable to keep jobs. Um, and, and finally, I just, I just didn't want to live anymore. And uh, you know, part of my story is, is what I did in 2002. Uh, I just, you know, I couldn't stand the pain of my life anymore. And I decided I'd try and walk away from it. And uh, literally that's what I did. I sold everything I owned. And I, I walked from Toronto, where I, where I was living at the time, uh, all the way up to the East Coast of Canada and back. It took me uh, 10 months. Uh, and, uh, or sorry, it took me eight months. And it was uh, roughly about 6,500 kilometers that I walked every day. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot of things on that trip. I can't say it wasn't a good trip. Um, I learned how to trust in a higher power. Um, I learned that, you know, if I sang Amazing Grace, my feet stopped hurting. Um, But the problem was still me. I got back to Toronto. I got into another uh, destructive relationship where I took hostages, and that relationship ended, uh, you know, after getting back from that trip. And, and, you know, I decided, well, fuck that, you know. I'm going to walk to the other coast. So I left Toronto in 2005. And for uh, six months, I walked from Toronto all the way to Vancouver. And, uh, you know, I can tell you Northern Ontario is one of the loneliest places to walk in the world. Um, and, you know what, I could no longer face me unless I was high. So I got high every chance I could. God, you know, and... Uh, I said it was medical because of my pain in my feet. Truly, I was smoking it so emotionally I didn't have to face myself. You know, and that's the truth. Um, I got to Vancouver and took a train ride home because I was too tired from walking across the country and got back to Toronto. And I was at that point where uh, a friend of mine said I could live on a sailboat if I fixed it up for him. And you know what? Uh, as every pothead, I, I, I said, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I didn't do what I was going to do and I didn't fix up the boat. I really didn't take care of it. Uh, and um, a few months later, he kicked me off the boat, and I had nowhere to go. And uh, so, you know, I uh, I still had my tent from walking across the country. And uh, I decided I would go to my drug dealer's backyard. And that's where I went to my first 12-step meeting. I was living in a tent in my drug dealer's backyard. 
you know, and uh, that was not an MA meeting. It was a fellowship uh, it's very near the beginning of the phone book. has a bunch of double letters. Um, so I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to get sober. You know, I'd seen what it had done in my father's life. And, you know, what I had said in, um, you know, I, I, I did what they said. No, I didn't do what they said. You know what? I listened to them and I parroted them. I didn't get a sponsor, really. I had a sponsor, but I didn't use them. I didn't get a home group, or I had a home group, but I didn't use it. And I definitely didn't work the steps. And nine months into my uh, sobriety, I started smoking pot again. And that's when my life started going to hell. I wasn't drinking, but I was smoking pot every day. And uh, that was when my life really became bad. And it was the first time in my life I really wanted to kill myself. Um, you know, I was... Uh, I was sober, but I wasn't clean. I could see who I was. I didn't like me, and there was nothing I was doing about it. I remember standing at the train platform thinking I should just jump off and end it all. Not that I wanted to die. I just wanted the pain of life to stop, and I didn't know how to do that. And um, finally, I remember what they said. You know, um, you got to be thorough and work all these steps, and that's when I got a sponsor and started working these steps, and I found M.A., and, uh, you know, that changed my life. Um, I started hearing the messages of fellow potheads like me because, you know, I could go a week without drinking, but, damn, I couldn't go a day without smoking. And, uh, you know what, uh, hearing all the things that potheads say and understanding that, that silent scream of addiction that happens where you just want it to stop, but it doesn't, you know. And and I started working these steps, and I started learning the tools of recovery. Started um, using the serenity prayer, making gratitude lists, reaching out and calling someone, you know. And uh, I think the most important thing in, I found in recovery is that one of the greatest things I found is that if you can help someone, uh, that stops me worrying about me. And that's a great place to be. So I got active in service. I started up a group in, in Toronto and became very active in that group and ended up helping start up the, the area, which became the District of Toronto, uh, became the first delegate for Toronto, uh, became a trustee on the, on the World Services Board, and uh, eventually, um, you know, I, I did work at uh, New Leaf Publications uh, and, and got active and, and started sponsoring people. And for me, that's the gift of recovery, is when I, when I reach out and start helping someone else and stop worrying about me my, and my small little problems, that's when, that's when life gets better. You know, that's the truth. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, I can't continue on, uh, you know, just trying to stop the pain of life. I've got to get active in my life. And the greatest way to get active in, life, in my life is by helping others. And, uh, you know, if I can help others, uh, you know, that, that's the true gift. And, and over the years, I can't tell you how many peach, people I've, uh, I've accepted to be sponsors. You know, not all of them have worked the steps. A lot of them never even got past step one, you know. But they kept me sober for that day. And I think that's the most important thing is, um, I, by helping others, I keep myself sober, and that's the beauty of it, you know. Um, if you're new to the program, uh, 
keep active, keep coming to meetings, um, you know, uh, do what they suggest, get a home group, uh, get a sponsor and work these steps. And, and for me, my life changed dramatically when I started doing that. And I started living a life that was was worth living, you know. And the pain of life, don't get me wrong, there's still tough days in life. But now I have ways of dealing with them. And I think that's the beauty. Um, you know, before where the only way I could deal with the problem in my life was to get high, now I'm learning to face my problems. And by facing my problems, they don't become big uh, big ghosts that I'm afraid of, you know. And I, I think it's important that, uh, that, you know, if you're early in recovery, keep coming to meetings, keep listening to these uh, speakers, keep sharing, keep trying to help others, and uh, eventually uh, you're going to get this program. You know, uh, you know I, I, everyone that I've ever worked the steps with who's actually worked these steps and has them in their life um, has a better life nowadays, you know. Is it tough? Is life still tough? Hell yeah. You know, it's never going to be a, a walk or a simple life, but it will be a lot better than it was when I was getting high trying to forget my problems. You know, um, for me, the miracle in recovery, um, you know, I'd always pissed away all my opportunities, and I always wanted to be a father and have a family. And uh, in recovery, uh, about eight years into my recovery, I got married again for the second time, and uh, my stepson had a granddaughter, and I have uh, a granddaughter who calls me Grandpa Mike, and it's amazing that that's one of the most amazing gifts that I can have in recovery is I, I became a grandfather without changing the diaper, you know. It's funny how God works, but, uh, you know, I love the fact that um, I followed through with this. It wasn't easy, but it kept getting better. And, uh, you know, that's all I really got to say today. So thanks for letting me share.